You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Today we're going to wrap up our series on the culture of heaven. I hope that you found it challenging and engaging. Our final topic today is another one of those those counter-cultural type of issues. Today we're going to look at the power of serving. What is serving? Let's face it, we're all busy people. Is serving really a requirement? Today we want to look at the life of Jesus like we see in Luke 22. We're going to look at verse 27 where it says, For I am among you as one who serve." Let's look at what serving is, and let's look at what it's not. One attribute that I absolutely admire about my daughter, Mackenzie, is nothing can stop her when she puts her mind to something. You know what? That, that word no is really just a bump in the road to yes, and, and she's so just tenacious about how she handles that. At school, Mackenzie received a package showing her different prize levels for jump rope for heart, and she decided that she wanted to achieve the highest goal, which was to reach the award of $500 in donations. So she comes to her dad, and she says, Daddy, can I have $500 for jump rope to heart? I I, I said, no, but uh, I tell you what, I'll give you 20. But no was not the answer that she was looking for. So she just sat in that place, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to get this because I want to get this prize package. I just want to do it. And she went door to door throughout the neighborhood and sure enough came home with $500 in sponsors. Imagine each one of us had that kind of tenacity to grab what Jesus said and our life's ambition became, for I am among you as one who serves. What would that look like? See, in the Greek, that word uses here is diakoneo, which is the root word of dekononos, which literally translates into through the dust. See, back in the days of Jesus, one of the main sources of transportation was a camel. Now, I've never seen, seen or been part of the pleasure of riding on a camel. Has anyone in here got to ride a camel before? Some people, that's, that's amazing, especially being in Cold Lake. Like, we brought a camel in here one year for the petting zoo, but didn't get to ride him. So I thought I would ask Ray Cowell, who had an opportunity to ride a camel, to share his story. And Ray, I just want you to talk about, because the Bible says that diakonos, which really means through the dust, and it's talking about a camel jockey and his role. Could you just take a few moments and share about what that would be like? Well, I've never been a camel jockey. (laughs) But uh, if any of you have heard me speak before, I love to speak about adventure. And in uh, 2008, I decided to take an adventure to the Middle East for a, a month for a pilgrimage. This is me uh, in the Sinai Peninsula, um, and that's my camel that, uh, that I got. And there's my, well, that's not my camel jockey, but you'll see the camel jockey here right away. But a camel jockey's guide, of course, is because I don't know the area, is to take me uh, through the desert. And it was about a two-hour trek on the camel. This is where they train Batman, actually, if you look. And uh, he actually wasn't trained there. But we, we dropped this camel off at the village. That's the top of Mount Sinai, where the, one of the mountains where they believe Moses um, uh, got the Ten Commandments. And that's me 
at the top. And it was interesting because I get dropped off in the desert. I don't know where I am. Um, so I have to trust wholeheartedly into this, this Bedouin child, this young kid who takes the camel uh, to the foot of the mountain. And uh, it was interesting because I had to leave the camel there and I had to walk back. And it was interesting going there with the guide I felt at peace, I felt calm, I trusted that he knew where he was going, but when I walked back by myself, I didn't have that same feeling. So to have a guide that knew the area, that uh, uh, knew the path to go, the shortest route to get there, was paramount for any camel jockey, of course, in, uh, in the Middle East. It was a great adventure, I really enjoyed it. And that's it, <laughs> thanks. Jesus is sitting around and he's teaching his disciples the importance of serving one another. He uses the word again, diakonos, which means through the dust. My friends, the Bible tells us to esteem others better than ourselves. Serving is really saying, God, here I am. Lord, I'm willing to walk through the dust with people. You know what? There's a time in our lives, every single one of us, when we're going to get to that place where it's just like, man, I just, I just feel the wind is out of my sails. I just feel like giving up. I just feel like I'm not worthy. I just, I just feel, feel really empty inside. That's a normal feeling. And see, what often we'll do as Christians is we'll isolate ourselves and we'll just say, you know what, I just need some space and that's the wrong way to go. But to have Brothers and sisters, the body of Christ is such a powerful tool to be able to come alongside and serve one another, making a meal for someone, doing someone's laundry for them when they can't be mobilized, sitting in that place and serving them to the best of our abilities. That is the body of Christ at its best. Have you had that happen? Man, I tell you, the body of Christ is such an important piece of the word. I remember one of my Bible college professors saying that he, he was somewhere, I don't remember where he was, and his car broke down, and he, and he got to that place where he's like, I have no idea what to do. I don't, know, I don't remember this story entirely, whether he didn't have his wallet, or he didn't have enough money to be able to cover a repair, or something like that, but he was, he, 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 anyways, he was in a lot of trouble in the middle of nowhere, and he didn't know anybody, so you know what he did? He went to the church and said, hey, my name is George Feller. He says, here's my driver's license. My, I go to this church here, and I'm a pastor here, and he says, I need some help, and that church wrote him a check for like 500 bucks, and he says, as soon as I get back to Edmonton, I will cut you guys a check and pay you guys back, but that's the body of Christ. Esteem others better than yourselves. Be willing to walk through the dust, through the dirt, through the difficult times, serving one another, loving one another, praying for one another. There's so many times when maybe we lose a loved one or, or something really difficult happens. And you know what? We're just like, I don't know what to say. There is power and peace in praying for that individual. And you know what? Be honest. I really don't know what to say right now. But I just want you to know that I love you and I'm praying for you. And that's powerful times. And then do it. 
You know, there's the difference between the lip service and the, the heart service saying, I'm, I'm walking through with you. I'm, I'm standing in that place. Let's look at the Last Supper this morning. Many of you know that story. Jesus is about to die. He shares the Last Supper with his disciples, and something happens that I'd never noticed before. They just finish supper, and then the Lord starts to talk about Judas. We can read that in Luke 22, verses 21. It says, but here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other, which one would do such a thing? Jesus just drops that bomb and says, you know what? Someone is going to betray me at this table. Somebody is going to let me down. Someone is going to sell me out for money. And the, and the disciples are rocked by that statement. It's like, is it me, Lord? Is it me? Now, we know that. But do you not know that, that, and this is what I really didn't put together, but as soon as that conversation is done, can you picture yourself at this table? You know what? Someone says, someone is going to betray me here. It's like, what? Is it me? Who's going to do this, Lord? Who's going to do it? And as soon as that is finished, that conversation is finished, let's see the next, uh, next thing that comes out of their, mic, their, their mouths, uh, picking up at verse 24, the very next verse. Then they begin to argue, about, uh, argue among themselves about who would be the greatest. How does that happen? Is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? Okay, I'm sure it's not me. I'm going to be the greatest. I'm, I'm sold out to you. Wait a minute. You're not going to be the greatest. I'm going to be the greatest. No, 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 no. I'm going to be the greatest. And it, the, the whole focus gets off of the Lord and gets on themselves. Isn't that amazing? Then verse 25, Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they're called friends of people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. And Jesus then turns this around again to the importance of servanthood. This is not the first time that these boys have heard this story or had this same issue. If we look back a little bit earlier, Matthew chapter 20, we see James and John and their mother having a conversation with Jesus. She's wanting her boys to have the two most influential spots in Jesus' kingdom. Aren't moms great? My boys, Jesus. My boys are the best boys ever. And they need to be sitting one at your left and one at your right in your kingdom because my boys are going to play in the big leagues. My boys are going to uh, turn some heads. You know, it's all about my boys. Moms, have you done that with your kids? Never. The school calls up and says, you know what? There was a day, you know, when I was a kid, if I did anything at school, I did not want the school to call home. Because I would be disciplined at the school, and then I'd get home, and my dad would totally discipline me. No matter what I did, and even if the school was wrong, guess what? I'd get a thumping. But not today. The school calls up and says, you know what? Your son is like, no, 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 not my boys. My boys wouldn't do that. No way. Moms are awesome. For those of you who know me, I love the 80s. Someone told me about the show The Goldbergs. You ever seen The Goldbergs? 
It's a sitcom about the 80s, and the mom is always wanting to bend the rules for her children. She's wearing those mom goggles. So here we have a mom doing the exact same thing. But this causes trouble because when someone is in charge, it means the others have to listen. Matthew 20, 24, when the other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they became indignant. But Jesus called them together and says, you know the rulers of this world lord it over people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must first serve, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. See, Jesus takes us to a whole new level. Not only do you have to be a servant, but if you want to be great, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to become a slave. We don't like that. I, I don't want that, Lord. I, my time is my time. And, and, and if something fits in my schedule, God, all right, I'll do it. But do you see why that's an upside-down kingdom? You want to be great? You want to do something really cool for God? Then serve. Just say, Lord, what does that look like? Man, I don't know how many people we have in this room right now, but let's say we're, we got 260 people. Imagine every single one of us went home and just said, God, as a family, what would that look like? God, how can we, in this society that says, no, 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 you need to put yourself first, you need to put your family first, you need to do this and just say, God, we want to be sold out for you, God. How would that look? I can see the disciples and after Jesus sitting there, just kind of quiet. And they're all looking around and thinking, all right, like, we're being pretty selfish. What do we got to do? And then all of a sudden, one guy would pipe up and say, hey, Judas, um, can I carry the money bag? It looks pretty heavy. He's like, no, 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 I'll carry it, I'll carry it. And then they get into this big fight over who can serve. So now Jesus finishes the Last Supper. The disciples have no idea that in approximately 24 hours that Jesus is going to be crucified. The ultimate act of serving, service for mankind, hanging on the cross for you and me. Jesus gave up absolutely everything so we could live. Can serving really make a difference? The world could be a crazy place filled with darkness and chaos. What difference can one guy in this room make? What difference can one gal make in this room? I came across this article, and I just think that this is amazing, and I just want to read it to you this morning. In 1921, Sing Sing Prison was known as the roughest prison in the country, housing some of the most violent offenders in America. At that time, Lewis Law was called to be the new warden at Sing Sing, and some 20 years later, when Warden Laws retire, Sing Sing had been transformed into an institution where hardened criminals were genuinely changed. Obviously, the criminologist wanted to know exactly what he had brought about such incredible transformation. And when Lewis Laws was interviewed about it, he says, I owe it all to my wonderful wife, Catherine, who is now buried outside of the prison walls. See, in 1921, Catherine Lewis was a young mother with three small children. When friends and family found out that her husband Lewis was to take over the warden at Sing Sing, they warned her never to go to the prison. But she refused to listen. 
she, instead, uh, she insisted on getting acquainted with the men. She knew their records and knew what they had done. For instance, she discovered that one convicted murderer was blind and she paid him a visit. She sat down talking with him and she took his hand and asked, can you read Braille? He said, what's Braille? And Catherine spent the next many months teaching him how to read. She had to first teach herself, but she was willing to do it. And years later, he would weep as he spoke of the love, of the love that he was shown by Catherine. Later, Catherine met a deaf mute who was also an inmate. No one had ever taken the time to show him how to communicate through sign language. So Catherine learned it herself just so she could teach him. When the first prison basketball game took place, Catherine was there. She sat in the stands with the inmates and brought her three kids with her. She openly said, my husband and I take care of these men, and I believe that these will t they, they will one day take care of me. It would later be said by many that in those days from 1921 to 1937, that Catherine Laws was the body of Jesus that came alive and showed selfless love to those hardened inmates at Sing Sing Prison. Then one day, she was killed in a car accident. The next day, Lewis Laws did not come into work, and the assistant warden took over his place. It was said that the prisoners almost instantly knew that something was wrong. The following day, Catherine's law body was resting in a casket in her home about three-quarters of a mile from the prison. That morning, as the acting warden made his morning rounds, he was shocked to find a large group of the hardest, roughest-looking criminals gathering like a herd of animals at the main gate. As he got closer, he saw that nearly every one of them were crying. He knew how much they all loved Catherine, and he turned the crowd of men and said, All right, men, you can go. Just be sure that you'll check in tonight. They opened up the front gate, and a parade of criminals walked out without guards. The three-quarter of a mile they walked to pay final respects to Catherine Laws, and every single one of them checked back at night. Every one of them. Through the dust. How important is serving to you? Is it something that is important? Or have you become self-involved? Again, have a discussion with your family tonight. See where the Holy Spirit leads you. What is he burning into your heart? And then step into your destiny. We're going to partic participate in communion. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward and hand out the emblems. But as we read earlier today, that Jesus was doing a little teaching with his disciples and saying, you know what? This is the last time that we're going to be eating together. And he goes through the whole steps and, and talks about what the bread represents and what the wine represented. And then it turns into an argument over who is the greatest. This morning, as we hold the emblems in our hand, would you take a few minutes and just say, God, your kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. And Lord, there's so many things that your word says that is counter-cultural to what our Canadian society says. And God, I want to be someone who's sold out for you. Lord, I don't want to be and I want to remind myself today that I am in this world, but I'm not of this world. Lord, what does my life look like when you hold the keys in your hand? I just say, God, I'm yours. 
I don't know. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been, you've been hurt. And the best thing to do is just sort of hide away and just not become that main focus point. That's a lie from the enemy this morning. Isolation is never the way. But walking in that place and saying, God, I surrender because all I have is yours. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.